Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, welcome, Noah, today in the studio on this cold, wintry day. A lot of wintry mix going on outside. Yep. But we're in here where it's warm, and I think I even see you with a cup of coffee. Yes, sir. I guess that's allowed. (laughs) Good for us to be together today. Welcome to all who are joining us today on this podcast. We've been digging into the Word of God, seeking to get to know God better, and we've talked about faithfulness and holiness. We talked about mercy. We even connected mercy to goodness. Mm -hmm. And so we've just finished a discussion on God's goodness, that is, His kindness or an attitude of goodwill and generosity. Noah, I want to take us back to a passage in Romans 11, and I'll explain why, but I want us to see it together first. Romans 11 and verse 22, therefore consider... Paul writes, the goodness and severity of God on those who fail, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in God's goodness. And in that passage, there's a consideration, Paul says, that we are to have both in regards to God's goodness or His kindness and also His severity, or one translation says His sternness. And so we thought it was a good idea having just talked about God's goodness, to move into a discussion of God's sternness, severity, or God's wrath. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we are today. Let's talk a little bit about God's wrath, uh, what we mean by God's wrath, uh, what we're talking about when Scripture refers to uh, God being severe or stern. You know, when you have a discussion about God's wrath, really, you're talking about an attitude of relentless pursuit of justice, where uh, God must, in order to be holy and righteous, He must hate sin, and He's moved by wrath against evil, rebellion, and wickedness in people. You know, I was thinking as we were preparing for this discussion, wrath is kind of an interesting characteristic of God to talk about. Because it may not be as much a direct characteristic of God, but a byproduct of his characteristics. And what I mean by that is God is perfectly holy. We've talked about his holiness. He's separate from anything that is sinful or wicked. He is also perfectly just. We haven't talked about that yet, but we will soon. And so sin of any kind directly violates God's holiness. Ignoring sin would violate God's justice. And so that's where we end up at wrath, is sin has been committed, and that violates, that's that's in opposition to God's holiness. But to ignore it would be in opposition to God's justice, and therefore wrath is what is birthed out of that combination. Right. You know, you mentioned the word ignore. That, that's a concern I've had, both in regards to myself and, and others, to be quite honest, is even Christians that I'm concerned who ignore this attribute of God. And I, and I get, look, we didn't start with wrath. 
Right. And there and there's an obvious reason <laughs> we didn't start there. But God's wrath is accurately represented in the scriptures. Yes. And so if we're going to accurately represent scripture and the God for whom we'll all one day give an account, we have to speak as plainly and truthfully about uh, God's wrath as we do his goodness. Yes. The, the reality of hell as much as the reality of heaven. Yes. As we've said about other attributes of God, sometimes I think we have trouble comprehending this one, understanding this one, because we see it differently in the world around us. And we talked about that with with goodness and holiness. But in this case, we think of wrath, our, our view of God's wrath is tainted by how we see the wrath of man, the wrath of human beings, and its imperfection. And so we have trouble understanding the idea of a perfect wrath. Yes, yeah, you mentioned tainted. I was shaking my head for those who can't see us. <laughs> I was shaking my head because that is so clear. I remember years ago I was talking about God's wrath. And and to be fair, I kind of started too early. I dealt with wrath way too early. But I could see as I was talking about wrath, I could see the kind of looks and the expressions on people's face. And finally I had someone, you know, raise their hand in a kind sort of way, said, well, now we need to understand when we're talking about God's wrath, we're, we're not talking about uncontrollable rage. Yeah. And, and a thought went into my head. It's like, how many people that I talk to and speak the word of God to who, who grew up with a very stern, harsh, vindictive, bitter father, mm-hmm. you know, and they're hearing this side of their heavenly father and he is a God of wrath. And they're thinking, wait a minute, my God, my God doesn't manifest uncontrollable rage or vindictive bitterness. And I would say of that, absolutely not. Yeah. In fact, to be perfectly clear, when we're talking about God's wrath, this is what I was thinking about. We're not talking about God losing his temper. Yeah. You know, and I, so some of the passages, like Psalm 7 and verse 11, God is a righteous judge. That means he's fair. And he's a God who expresses his wrath every day. Now, how he does it, you know, why he does it, those are good discussions for another time. But clearly the Psalms, the Psalter is full of passages that represent this side of God being a God of anger. Yeah. Uh, being God, like you said, because he's holy, because he's righteous, uh, he must uphold the requirements of his law and his wrath is no less real or no less distinct. He will punish those right. who are in rebellion to him. The Romans 8, the New Testament passages, you know, we, we were in Romans 11, but go back to Romans 1. In Romans 1 verse 18, for the wrath of God, that same apostle Paul, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And you can say in that context, he continues on there, but also Ephesians 5. Uh, Let no one deceive you, Ephesians 5, 6, with empty words, for because of such things, and he had talked earlier in Ephesians 5 about sexual immorality and greed and the impurity that manifests itself in different ways, he says God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. We didn't get into that Romans 1 context, but if we continue reading after verse 18, we'll see similar descriptions. These are people who, it's reserved for these unrighteous who they know God and they can see his his eternal attributes, you know, is what he says, and yet they do not honor him as God, nor do they give thanks to him, and they've become futile in their thinking. And so in both of those contexts, we see this wrath to foreshadow what we'll talk about later, is justified. God's wrath is always justified wrath because of 
the the behavior of those against whom it is shown. Yeah, right. And so the Apostle Paul, again, to go back to Romans eleven twenty two, clearly says we should consider this side of God, this particular attribute of God as character, that, that He is a God who will punish those who reject His Son and fail to respond in obedience of faith to His grace. So He clearly is a God of wrath. There is a passage, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the Nahum chapter 1, verse 2 passage, a jealous and avenging God is mm-hmm. the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. Yes. It's interesting how he connects those two together. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies there. He reserves wrath for his enemies. But the very next verse, the very next verse, verse 3 in Nahum 1, says the Lord is slow to anger. So I would want people to understand that he reserves the wrath for his enemies, for the rebellious people who reject his son, but he is slow to anger. He is slow to anger. Yeah, and that that patience is is a form of mercy, uh, is a, is an outflowing of God's mercy, which we've talked about the mercy of God already, and that ought to uh, to me that brings us into some of our our practical discussion of how understanding God's wrath ought to affect our day to day lives. Understanding that we we serve a wrathful God, well, we have to recognize that. <laughs> We were under that wrath. Yes. And so the fact that, as you read from that Nahum passage, that God is a patient God, that in mercy he shows patience toward us, like so many of God's attributes, that ought to humble us. Because God has this just wrath against us, and he has withheld that in mercy. And the last thing we should do in response is be arrogant toward him in that. Well, very true. Very true. One of the names I mentioned, you know, when I, when I try to study the character of God, deep subject, but very rich subject, I try to look at various names. You know, when we were dealing with the, the power side of God, he's all powerful. We were having a discussion about his power. And I mentioned the name El Shaddai, mm-hmm. you know, God Almighty, that he's telling us something about himself as it connects to his power and his might. There's another name I was studying some time ago, uh, Jehovah Mecca, the Lord who smites. And it's interesting, one place where that name is found and what God was saying about himself and using that name, the Lord who smites, it's found in Ezekiel 7, and, and there's a history there. People who have studied Ezekiel, who kind of know the history, what God was saying to the rebellious nation of Judah, those who had been taken into captivity, those who were left behind in Jerusalem because of the idolatry in their hearts, the wickedness and rebellion. And God said He was just and righteous in coming against them in judgment, pouring out His wrath upon them. Yes. But there's a passage, Noah, in Ezekiel 7 and verse 9. God says, My eye will show no pity, nor will I spare. I will repay you according to your ways while your abominations are in your midst, and then you will know that I, the Lord, do the smiting. Mm. There's your Jehovah Mecca. Yes. The, the Lord who smites. And in that same book... You clearly also see in Ezekiel 33 that God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Yeah. But he he did. 
he did smite. He did come in vengeance and right. in wrath upon the idolatry in his people who had broken faith, covenant yeah. with him. That's a powerful point there from Ezekiel. Yeah, so <clears throat> wrath is what happens when holiness meets persistent sin or justice meets rebellion or righteousness meets unrighteousness or when perfect good meets pure evil. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted us, I thought it was wise and it's good for us to give a balanced approach, having talked about goodness, to spend some time, and we're doing that today about wrath. So with the other attributes, Noah, that we've been talking about, here, here's kind of the so what. Side. I mean, we could have brought in a lot of other passages that reveal this side of God's nature. He is wrath. He is severity or sternness. Let's make some practical points. Why even a consideration of this side of God's nature? You know, a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned that it should take us down several notches to recognize that we are under the wrath of God, but only by His mercy are we spared of that wrath. To take that a little bit further, think about how that worldview and the humility that has to come from that worldview changes our relationship with other people, for instance. If we lose sight of the fact that we were under condemnation, then it's really easy to start looking at ourselves as as better than other people. But if we recognize, no, 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 we were all under that condemnation, and it's nothing I did that got me out from that condemnation— then that changes our relationship with other people. And that that makes me think of Luke chapter 18. You know, you've got the, the Pharisee and the tax collector that Jesus talks about. And the Pharisee saying, I'm so glad that I'm not like this, this tax collector over here. Well, we're told in Luke 18, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. When we consider God's wrath... We ought to recognize we cannot fall into this camp of trusting ourselves for our righteousness and allowing ourselves to treat others with contempt. That's not the way that God wants us to handle this. I hadn't thought about that. So when you talked about how a consideration of this should humble us, it should move us to a point of humility. Yes, we have a a reverence and respect for God I mean, serving him acceptably with reverence and godly fear, Hebrews 12, for our God is a consuming fire. When you consider that aspect of God, he is a consuming fire, then a part of serving God acceptably and having that right respect for God and who he is should humble us to a point where we see ourselves the way God sees us. And we're grateful and thankful for the mercy He has shown and the compassion He has shown to those of us. And we'll talk about this later uh, through Jesus Christ. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up about how we should see ourselves and how we should see others. Yeah, absolutely. If you wanted to summarize it, what I took from Luke 18 when we're studying God's wrath specifically, if we trust in our own righteousness, we've either overestimated our own righteousness or we've underestimated the wrath of God, or both. Oh, wait, say that again. If we trust in our own righteousness as the people that Jesus was teaching in Luke 18, then we have either overestimated our own righteousness or we have underestimated the wrath of God, or or both. Very fair, very fair. This A question comes up uh, generally in these discussions about God's wrath and how we're to see ourselves. How are we to see sin? I mean, if we're talking about a God who comes in vengeance, 
who pours out his wrath upon rebellious, ungodly, sinful people, then how should I view my sin? I mean, you don't have to look very far in Scripture to see that God hates sin. He hates it. It is antithetical to who he is, his holy nature. And so it makes sense that if he hates sin, his people ought to also hate sin. Right. I think about Psalm 97, verse 10, when you were mentioning that, let those who love the Lord hate evil. Mm -hmm. To love the Lord is, in a sense, to hate evil. Now, you already talked about that. That's why I appreciate you talking about that. I could take that passage and say, okay, well, everybody else is evil, and right. I am good, everybody else is wrong, and I am right, and boy, that can take me in a bad place. But mm -hmm. I, it, Scripture does tell us that when we see this side of God and understand that that to fear the Lord is to hate evil, Proverbs 8 and verse 13, right. then I need to hate that in myself. I, I need to see sin the way God sees sin, and, I, and I'm to hate it. Yeah. I mean, look at what it cost God, my sin, my sin. God being just and the justifier. Let's talk about this, Noah. And, th and this, this is difficult at times if we're going to be honest and we need to and humble. I think last week, how many people did I walk by and pass by? There are a lot of lost people yeah. around there. And I don't say that in a condescending, arrogant sort of way. What I'm saying is there are a lot of people who need to hear about Jesus who need Jesus. Yeah, And we pass by, we work with... Uh, lost people all the time. So an understanding of God's wrath, how should that help us to be more zealous, maybe, I should say, in trying to reach people who are lost, who need Jesus? It should absolutely affect that. I I don't have this written down, but I, I heard in some form or another, I've heard this repeated over and over again, that the gospel is just one sick person telling another sick person where to find the hospital there's all sorts of different anecdotal type of ways of illustrating that. But when we understand God's wrath, we do have a much greater appreciation for we walk past people on the street and they're under condemnation, <laughs> just like we are. The only thing we don't know about them in that, in that context is whether or not they are following Christ. And if they have found the, the, redemption and justification through him that we are enjoying. And that ought to make us go, maybe I should talk to them about that. I agree. You know, I, I'm thankful. You and I have talk, talked about this a lot since you've been here, and I'm thankful I'm a part of a church. We have just so many who are just actively seeking to share Christ and the gospel of grace with others because you know, John the baptizer, there was a message who was preparing the way for Jesus in Matthew 3, John would say things like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. And he would turn to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he would say things like, flee God's wrath to come. Because he understood that he was preaching a message of repentance, John was, and he was talking about the kingdom being close at hand. He was preparing the way for Jesus as king over a kingdom. And what he was, what he was seeking to do is to prepare people to be saved and to, to not be consumed by God's wrath that was to come yeah. upon sinners who rejected His Son, Jesus Christ. So when, when I think about the remedy for God's wrath, that's where I wanted to take us as we close this out today, the remedy for God's wrath, turning away God's wrath. In a word, it's propitiation. 
Mm-hmm. That's a big word. But in a person, it's Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus Christ, through His blood, my, man finds mercy and propitiation. Uh, Romans three twenty five. God sent forth Jesus to be a propitiation through the blood of Jesus, through our faith, to demonstrate His righteousness. Or Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, He made propitiation for the sins of the people through Jesus Christ, for faithful and merciful high priest. O- only Jesus can deliver us from the wrath to come. Yeah, absolutely. Really, Paul, that connects very well with where we're going to be going next week. We've already planned that next week we're going to be covering the justice of God. So if you don't mind, I can just give a quick teaser about one of the things we'll be talking about next week, and it connects with what you're talking about in Jesus. Yeah, please do. The idea of wrath and justice are interconnected. There, There's a lot of relation between the two. But one of the passages we're going to look at next week is how God is both just and the justifier. And you use the word propitiation, and that's used in several contexts as well. But the idea that God can maintain his justice and his wrath as an outflowing of that justice and yet still justify us, make us righteous. And there's a lot to be learned from the lengths to which God went to make that possible. And as you said just a moment ago, in a person, that's Jesus. Well, I appreciate it. As difficult as this is at times for us to have a discussion about God's wrath, clearly, again, we started in Romans 11, verse 22. The Apostle Paul says that we should consider both the goodness and severity of God. And listen, you and I, I love to preach about God being good, God being kind, the attitude of His goodwill and generosity. But Paul says, the Apostle Paul, we need to also consider His sternness. Yeah. He is wrath. And so, boy, I am thankful. And we're going we're gonna to talk about grace later on in one of these sessions you and I are going to do. Boy, am I thankful for grace. I give thanks for it every day. Amen. Because I'm in, in the day of judgment, my plea is for mercy, not justice. Right. Yeah. But we ought to talk about justice, and we're going to. Yes. And so I look forward, Noah, to the next time we can do this and share God's Word and, and God's nature, who He is with others who are just seeking to get to know Him better and surely looking for the salvation and the redemption that's found only in His Son, Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong. 